0: And we are live with another episode of the Brownwater Bancer Podcast. My name is Jared Seymour. My name is Joey Cates. And uh, we have a great episode for you today. We have Brett from the uh, End It For Good in here to talk to us today. Uh, They're trying to change people's perspective on drug use and how society views drugs. Uh, He's got a lot of cool stuff to talk about today. Uh, We're super excited to have him in the studio and we appreciate you stopping by today. Um, But before we jump into that, we want to thank our sponsors like we do right out of the gate here. The people that support the show and we want to support them right back. Uh, Southern Magnolia Smiles. If you're looking for a great local dentist, Dr. Robbie Williams and his staff right here in this picture, man, they're going to take care of you. You can look up on the socials uh, at Southern Magnolia Smiles. They're on Facebook and Instagram, um, or you can hit them up on the, their traditional website, southernmagnoliasmiles.com, or give them a shout at 228 215 one two zero two like i said located in ocean springs right there on washington avenue local group of guys um great team he's got and uh if you're looking for a dentist man we highly recommend him joey and i both use them so uh like i say when we have sponsors we don't just uh have them on we actually support them and and use them as well correct second guy we want to talk about is uh jesse hill and he's the uh locally owned uh and operator of hilltree marketing They do web design, graphic design, photography, social media management, videography, and aerial cinematography um he if you're looking to get a website done jesse's your guy like i said he is local um you can give him a ring uh or hit him up on his website at hilltreemarketing.com the uh if you want to go there you can see all the work on that he's done for other businesses and if you want to see what he did for us just go to brownwaterbanter.com and check that out because he did our website uh, about a month and a half ago now it looks way
1: better than we did (laughs) yeah
0: it's way better than the one we had and so uh we're super pumped about that and we appreciate uh, appreciate his support so go check him out if you need a website uh for any reason so like we said we have Brett in the studio here today with us Brett thanks for stopping by and let's talk about end it for good so uh, people that have never heard about end it for good before like what is the what's your introduction to someone who is uh to new to the concept here
2: yeah Jared Joey uh thanks for having me uh I've been looking forward to this conversation all day um my day actually started off in Laurel so Whoa. uh I, I'm glad to be ending it here on a high note <laughs> there with you go. guys this evening. Um, so yeah, my name, my name is Brett Montague. I'm the, uh, chief executive officer of a, uh, 501c3, a Mississippi based nonprofit, uh, that does, does community education and advocacy on drug policy reform issues and the opioid crisis. There you go. Uh, and the name of our movement, the name of our nonprofit, which is turned into a movement is called end it for good. Uh, that means that we are, uh, um, Directly calling for an end to the war on drugs, uh, which has been a century-long endeavor by the United States of America, uh, and has been launched on a global scale, and uh, was launched, you know, with the uh, purported uh, intent of, uh, you know, eradicating the world's drug supply, uh, minimizing incarcerations, minimizing death, minimizing drug use. Um, We've been at this for uh, decades, almost a full century, and we've gotten the exact opposite results. Um, We have a global drug supply that is run amok, that's run by uh, drug cartels and terrorist organizations. Um, We have the second highest incarceration rate in the world in the United States. Um, And here in Mississippi, we have the second highest incarceration rate in the United States. So if you, you actually cut up all of our 50 states into little countries. Uh, Mississippi is the second highest incarcerator uh, in the world, and with the exception of certain dictatorships like Venezuela and North Korea, but definitely for all industrialized really? nations, we have the highest incarceration, second highest incarceration rate in the world, right here in Mississippi. I did not know um, that. Yeah, yeah, we sure do. Um, and and uh, and beyond that, you know, we have an overdose rate, uh, overdose death rate that is uh tragic uh, yeah. to say at the least um we uh over this last year uh during covid we might have lost up to 100,000 citizens here in the united states as a result of over overdoses um before that we had shattered a record in 2019 of losing 71,000 uh citizens to an overdose which you know, in this era of COVID losing some six hundred thousand people in one year, that may seem like not much. Uh trust me, it is year in and year out for decades and decades. Uh that means that we're losing about ten people uh an hour to wow. overdoses right here in America, just to that alone. Uh and and that is that is tragic. Um and and uh and so we've we've got our work cut out for us, uh, but we are moving the conversation forward. Um, And we are we're moving this conversation forward, not in a way to celebrate or trivialize drug use, but in a way that makes drugs, drug use and addiction uh, be viewed in more of a public health uh, viewpoint and less of a criminal justice centered uh, approach. Because uh, prior to COVID, the number one uh, public health crisis America was facing was the opioid epidemic. COVID obviously exacerbated it. And as COVID winds down, it will return to be the number one public health crisis that America faces.
0: Yes. Yes. You you hit on a lot, wow. a lot of topics there. Yeah, Joey. My already brain knew- just, uh, it just already
1: reaches a, max. And it was in the first five minutes. I'm walk, sorry. I'll calm down. No, 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 no. That was, that was perfect. That was yeah. a great a great introduction.
0: And you yeah. touched on a lot of uh, great points. So let's unpack some of those. Sure. Uh, I already knew the one about Mississippi because I was at their event that, right. they, that y'all hosted in Pascagoula uh a month ago month and a half ago yeah actually june 10th i can't believe it's already been over a month ago how time flies is crazy yes and so i was already aware of the mississippi statistic and i'm going to assume that a lot of the mississippi incarceration rates is related to drugs Uh, do you know the the, yeah details in that number yeah yeah i do so actually about
2: 41 percent uh, of inmates in the Mississippi state prison system, which does not include county and in, inmates in c- county and city jails, mm-hmm. but just in the Mississippi state prison system, over 3000 inmates are serving a, at least a 12 month term in prison, uh, for a non uh, non-property crime
0: related offense. All right. And so that's, that's, uh, that's
1: misdemeanors to felonies, I would guess, right?
0: Possession charges, yeah, correct. yeah possession. We're We're, and that's, a, that's an important sticking point here because it's easy to say, Hey, you're you committed a crime, you're a bad person, you did you know whatever. Uh, but you're specifically talking about, and a lot of people that that talk that speak on this topic, we're talking about nonviolent drug offenders who, like you said, non property crimes, they hadn't stolen anything, they just were in possession of an illegal substance, correct? Correct, they weren't causing harm to any other human being, committing
2: right. essentially, uh, you know, no, what. In a normal world you know um in the pre-militarization of law enforcement and police uh in in that world would have been something that was not a crime right Right. maybe something that was taboo or discouraged but not necessarily a crime right you know and and it's it's interesting you know we um for me to possess something or use something in my own household, we would think in the, in the Bible belt, you know, that's your choice. Right. Um, but as it turns out, that's not actually how we operate behind the curtain. Right. So, um, so yeah, we've, we've, uh, we're working really hard in communities, uh, you know, that are conservative evangelical, Faith-based law enforcement to bring people into the conversation in a way um, that is compassionate, in a way that is patient, and in in a way that is incentivizing for all. Because if you look at this, even law enforcement uh, has has uh, a skin in the game for a more public health-centered approach because they're bogged down in a quagmire of a war. Yes. Yeah. yeah,
1: and probably full. I mean, the jails are full. There's nowhere to. Oh, know, absolutely. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. And if you think about judges, you know, they have their court, their court systems have backlogs that go, are stacked knee deep, uh, and prosecutors. I was just with a prosecutor the other day, uh, who was newly elected. He'll go unnamed, and that county will go unnamed. But, um, but he was complaining because you know he told me he said Brett, eighty percent of the cases that come through this office are all drug related wow. like and if you look at the clearance rate on cases like murder rape child pornography etc they're super low which should not be the case and it's all it all traces back what does you know clearance know what I mean? rate mean what does that it means like, the, the cases they, that get solved okay oh, so, so
1: okay. they're spending so much time showing us all these and dealing with these drug cases that they're Now having time to do what really needs to be done. Absolutely. right. So
0: when you're going into these communities evangelical Bible Belt counties, towns around in Mississippi, Mm -hmm. like like I said, it's probably hard to get people to kind of change that mindset and stop viewing these people as criminals. Right. Which is which is what your goal is um, and, and treat it more as a public health crisis because a lot of times people that are in these situations have mental illness or some kind of uh yeah mental issues going on or life issues going on that they use drugs as an escape for right and then become addicted um so it's kind of a downward spiral to send that person into prison because it's not going to actually solve the root of the problem correct 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 and and
2: and let me say this just as a small disclaimer um yes we're in the business of educating Right. You know, uh, um, and, and what I like to say is changing hearts, but but I, I don't get to change your mind. Right. You change your mind. Right. I can just provide you with the information and the tools and the framework for you to change your mind, but I can't force you to do anything. Just like I cannot, um, you know, force someone who is suffering from an addiction to just say, just stop doing drugs. And, right. And like been get them to bend to my will and them to stop using drugs you don't do that cold turkey people don't hit people don't quit ideas or philosophies or change their mind cold turkey either Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we should understand that you know when when having conversations with both communities
1: do you see that kind of the, the bible belt uh ways kind of phasing out with these new laws like colorado washington stuff like that do you see some of the old stuff moving out and some of the new stuff moving in, or is it still the same way? Well, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, I, what I would say to that is like, I don't, I don't,
2: in terms of seeing the Bible belt eradicated, well, I, I don't necessarily see that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I seen them, them changing their tack. Right. Um, you know,
0: uh, b- but, um, Mississippi is always a little behind as far as right. like catching up to new ideas is, when it comes to more progressive ideas like that. Embracing new ideas. Correct. Embracing new ideas. For good, for the better or worse, you know, yeah. either yeah. way sometimes. Yeah. No, uh, absolutely. You know, it could be a good thing as absolutely.
2: well. Absolutely. I mean, the, there are traditions that we have that are great that we should hold on to for dear life and never let go correct. of, you know, that correct. that, that uh, give us strength of position and leverage, you mm-hmm. know, in and tourism and, and all, a whole a host of different things you know but when something when i am wrong on something there should be no stigma or no barrier from me just like getting that burden off of my shoulders mm-hmm. and saying you know what like what what i've been thinking on this uh, this whole time has been wrong or just not fully capturing the whole picture and that's okay that's right. okay um and 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 you know, to that point, engaging law enforcement on this, we, you know, we have had a pleasantly surprising uh, turnout and uh, positive response from law enforcement communities that we've gone in from from Jackson to West Point to to Pascagoula to Hattiesburg in different places. You know, but it's 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 tough to make that sell with them. You know, or you can't have your expectations too high and forcing them to to get from here to here, because part of what we're asking them to do is to admit that what they've been doing for the last fifty years has been wrong. We're asking them to admit that, and and the truth of the matter is, is that the majority, uh, or a good percentage of what they've been doing, has been spot on. Right. there is a need for law enforcement. There is a need for police and sheriff's department in our community, right, right. Yeah. to maintain public safety. So, they're putting their lives on the line every day and we need to honor that. And the yeah. tr- the truth is is that we should that what we should be doing to honor them is to give them the ability to put the resources they have into the right place so they can actually solve crimes and when they get crime rates low in their community to maintain peace because uh, i just had a law enforcement officer tell me this the other day if you look back at robert peel who was you know the first cop in the world in london way back when his philosophy was is that you were not judged by the number of arrests that you have in your community but you're judged by uh by how low your crime rate is in the community and a lot of law enforcement
0: officers are trying to get back to that but it Cultural shifts take time. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I think that's one you said uh, what they've been doing for the last 50 years is, has been wrong. I think it's maybe that the perspective is changing that maybe it hasn't achieved the goal that it was set out to achieve, right? right it hasn't ended right. the black, uh, the uh, black market for drugs. It hasn't ended people's use of drugs and it hasn't ended uh, people going back into jail that were originally arrested for drugs. Right. Yeah. Um, and at your June event, Uh, that we mentioned already that was in Pascagoula. Uh, P- Pascagoula Police Department was represented there. There were some uh, officers Correct. there. Correct. And the way that that meeting was was held, uh, me- is it a meeting? Is that the right way to call it? We call it? them community discussions. Okay, community discussions. Yeah. That feels better. Yeah. Uh, your president, wh- what's her name again? Our founder and president,
2: her name is Christina Dent, who has a phenomenal story that I'd, I'd like to, uh, or that I'm willing to talk about. Uh, absolutely.
0: And we'll, yeah. we'll get in that. She um she presents her story at these yeah. uh, community discussions. And then at the end of it, she allows everyone in the room a minute minute to kind of give their take on everything that she presented. Uh, and she asked that you don't agree just to agree, right? She really wants to hear people that do not agree. And what the uh, Pascua, uh police officer said, that they do uh, appreciate that what's been going on hasn't exactly worked but a lot of people in the room agreed with decriminalization, but they did push back against that a little bit and said that, what are we going to replace that with? And how, and what does that look like, right? Mm-hmm. Call it mental health, public health issue, that's fine. But sometimes these people need to be removed from these communities. Right. And what is that going to look like, yeah. right? And yeah. that is an issue.
2: No, it absolutely is an issue. And and look, this is a complex tol- uh, topic. You Correct. Know, I could get into talking about 50 different things connected to the issue today from- you know, civil asset forfeiture to right. reentry Correct. issues to a whole host of things, um, you know, and and end it for good does not necessarily have a full stop answer uh, for either policy prescription, whether you're talking decriminalization or legalization,
0: Okay. nor should
2: we have all those answers, right? This needs to be a community wide conversation where everybody is at the table to provide input. You know, nor if you usher in, you know, a a policy of decriminalization or legal regulation, um, nor are you going to get a fix all policy set up where you're going to basically foresee any potential circumstance that ever comes about. That's impossible to do.
0: No one ever in human history has ever achieved such legislation. Right. Uh, You mentioned uh, Christina and her story. Uh, Would you like to go into that real quick? Uh, Share that about because I thought that really shows like someone who did not grow up herself doing drugs. I don't even think she drank alcohol, if I remember correctly. So she wasn't in that lifestyle or saw that and had a particular way that she viewed people that that did have a problem right and then it was all turned around by the adoption of a child
2: yeah yeah no you're you're spot on 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 that elevator of, of her story um and and it's very compelling and 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 in fact if you wouldn't mind giving me a little latitude tell a little bit about sure. my story and I was gonna and ask, how i sure, and how i met her and absolutely if if that you know helps um but So, uh, I'm, I'm a native Mississippian too. Uh, like her, I was born and raised in Hattiesburg, uh, in a, a loving middle to upper class, um, Christian environment, uh, on my mom's side of the family, all educators on my dad's side, all, all attorneys, all, uh, very successful people on both sides. I have an older brother that's two and a half years older than me, way smarter, way more intelligent, way more personal magnetism, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, um, uh as as um as we came of age now uh, we we both experimented with various substances um i actually was the only user in high school uh i was a regular daily pot smoker in high school and uh and he and he used to uh, beat me up a little bit because i had severe childhood asthma and uh and um and he didn't like me using uh but as we got into college you know we did some things together and um, and I went off, you know, and I got more involved in my studies and, uh, I won't bore y'all with that, but, uh, um, a couple of, uh, right after college, uh, I went abroad. I did two years service in the Peace Corps in South America. And, uh, and while I was away in 06 and 07, 2007 was the first uh, year that my brother, the first stint that he, uh, went into treatment for a heroin addiction he had fallen into. Mm. Um, and, and, um looking back on it i didn't realize it at the time but uh looking back on it um uh, like i was out there in the world making a difference abroad and doing things and his career had never really taken off um and 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 so you know i think there was some uh, depression trauma different things you know that kind of made him fall into that trap didn't see it immediately but there was this 10 year period from 2007 to 17 you know where this uh, this vicious cycle over and over in and out to rehab in and out to rehab and our family tried everything that we could do but in 2017 he overdosed on his birthday mm. his 38th birthday uh he survived yeah uh, but um cuz luckily there was there was uh someone called uh 911 um I'm a big advocate of good Samaritan laws, by the way. Um, But um, someone called 911 that was there with him. An ambulance was blocking a half away, and they resuscitated him with Narcan. Um, But my parents had thrown their hands hands up in the air uh, at the time. Uh, But me as a brother, I I really wasn't willing to give up. So uh, he was living in North Carolina, and I just blindly drove up there and uh, just sat with him for four days. That's what I decided I was going to do. Wasn't going to try to... Impose anything on him, just sit there. And it was interesting because over a four day period, um, he began to see me as less of an antagonist, trying to get him to do what I wanted him to do, mm-hmm. and more as a brother who was just showing attention, concern, and compassion. And it was int- it, what was interesting is that that accelerated his ability to make the decision he needed to make to get into treatment. And it hit me. And I said, influence works a whole lot better than enforcement. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Support. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it just led me into this volunteer advocacy. And over time, uh, uh, there's a guy in Hattiesburg. His name is James Moore. He owns a bike shop, Moore's Bike Shop. His son died of an overdose in 2015. And now he's used his son's legacy to do some fabulous advocacy here throughout the state. And, And I was talking with James one day about, you know, my just a call that i felt like i had to do more a, a little more advocacy on a volunteer basis and he said i want to inter- introduce you to somebody this is where christina comes in okay and so uh he said I'm, i want to introduce you to this girl christina Dent and jackson uh she's very interesting set up a nonprofit. yeah i'm going to do an introduction email to y'all so first he sends me this email a little bit about her and includes a link to a ted talk that she did and i'm like who is this girl? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> 34 years old, Jackson, Mississippi, like evangelical mm-hmm. Christian, yeah. has a, got invited to do a TED Talk? Sweet. What? And I watched it, and it was just compelling. You've seen I it. I watched and, it, yeah. yeah. And and, um, and so it was like a very interesting. So I actually helped. Uh, her coordinate an, an event this on a volunteer basis in Hattiesburg in November, 2019. Uh, and uh, it was a community discussion like you just went to. And I'm I invited 141 people in my network in Hattiesburg that were made up of law enforcement officials, you know, judges, dentists, pharmacists, faith leaders, a wide combination of people. And 120 of them showed up wow. and, and it included people like our mayor both our incoming and outgoing DA, our incoming and outgoing sheriff, a federal judge—just you know, showstopping. And, and next thing you know, we just keep corresponding. And uh, in 2020, we decided to join forces. And uh, you know, I, and she asked me to come on the end it for good team. So that's what I've been doing. Um, you know, and uh, and I, I feel passionate about what I what I do now. I would do it uh, I would do it for less money. Um, uh, and, uh, I've actually, I've made more money previously in the private sector. So, um, it's just, it gives me a whole lot of sense of purpose. Um, and, uh, you know, we're not directly saving lives every night, but, you know, we're saving lives in another way and, uh, hopefully changing
0: hearts. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, like you say, you yeah. change the shift of the conversation, mm-hmm. if nothing else. And that, down the road can lead to uh things that never happen like some of the stories that she mentioned of families being torn apart by you know again you're you're not advocating people use drugs or glorifying the use of drugs you're just merely saying that when you take the approach that's been taken that there are ramifications and collateral damages that people maybe don't realize and maybe we could do it in a better way that doesn't that tries to mitigate some of those circumstances, correct? Mothers being taken away for six, seven, eight years from from their children children who, again, these aren't people who killed anyone or who, you know, stole a bunch of property or credit card frauds and stuff. It's strictly talking just drug policy.
2: Yeah. So, uh, the, you know, uh, I actually listened to a previous episode that you guys did with Shay Dobson. Correct. Which actually, y'all did that episode. I think the same day of our community discussion in Pascoagul. It, it was June tenth. Yeah, yeah, it was because you yeah. left here and, yeah. and went over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and and, you know, he talked about something in that episode that you know he was he was trying to make decisions that were going to benefit the long term health and wellness of Ocean Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way that I see this. And I can tie this into Christina's story, which I actually never got into a second ago. But um, <clears throat> so uh, Christina's uh, epiphany uh, came from her experience as a foster care parent. Um, Christian, conservative, evangelical, never touched drug, never smoked a cigarette in her life. Uh, in 2014, her and her husband, Thomas, became foster care parents because she was the. Uh, chairman of her church's uh, chairwoman of her church's family preservation committee and um, uh, down the road about a year down the road I can't remember the exact timeline but it wasn't long after they decided to become foster care parents they came into custody of a newborn child uh, who was removed from the custody of the natural mother because of the natural mother's uh, prenatal drug use and mm. addiction um, uh, the mother's name was Joanna the son boy's name was Beckham and um, and uh Christina had this preconceived notion of what addicts were right uh, and just growing up here in the bible belt and your limited exposure she just she was like what kind of a monster right? you yeah, know trashy um, sami yeah but over a series of supervised visits with Joanna like holding Beckham and singing to him and doing different things she started scratching her head and she was like no like something different is happening here. Like I see a struggling mother who loves her child just as much as I love my three kids, but she's has this really hard life struggle Mm -hmm. and actually like keeping her child away from her is not helping. It's only hurting. Like she needs that bond to be forged in her life. Like, so she can overcome this, you know, and, and part of what I tell people is like, okay, if you don't have someone to bond with, you're going to find something to bond with. That yes. may be something healthy or unhealthy, but if it's really unhealthy, that's not good. Right. Uh, and, and that's why, as I don't know if you've ever read Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari, but. Y'all hand uh, that out at the event. We, yeah. I haven't yeah. got to read it yeah. yet, but I have yeah. it. I'm going to. So in in his uh, so Joey this this a book that an author named Johan Hari wrote called Chasing the Scream. Uh, it's it's a book basically about the history of the war on drugs and drug prohibition uh, and explores alternate approaches across the board. He traveled thirty thousand miles around the globe doing it, but he has an afterword in that book. Actually, he Christine is included in that afterward. Don't know if you knew that, no, but uh, but the name of the afterward is called The Opposite of Addiction is Connection. Mm-hmm the opposite of addiction is connection which yeah which yeah. absolutely does um but so so uh, that got the best of christina's curiosity which led her into just like doing some reading and research next thing you know she has a book discussion in her neighborhood yep. based on chasing the scream and people were like you need to do something with this and a number a series of things happen after that and then the next thing you know the end of for good movement is born yep. and y'all y'all yeah. y'all
1: Y'all the whole state of Mississippi, or y'all just in Mississippi, or where we, y'all go? We are we are
2: just in Mississippi. Um, yeah, we're a Mississippi-based uh, non nonprofit. Um, you know, uh, uh, I do not know what the future holds and uh, holds for us. Um, and I'm not going to get them in, in front of that here today, but um, you know, we we see uh um uh, you know a heightened appeal um interest, and uh, you know as as that keeps growing, we will continue to grow as well.
1: Y'all hold these what not meetings what were they called yeah they're called community and discussions. and you all hold these all through the state all throughout the state
2: yeah and and basically what we do in them just to shortly summarize them uh is we provide whether it's a lunch or dinner meeting you know we we uh we provide food uh people sit down and socialize slap backs for 10 15 minutes um and then um there's a small introduction and christina holds a presentation with her story Mm -hmm. segues into terrible outcomes that we're getting with, you know, terrible overdose rates, incarcerations, et cetera, et cetera, and then offers alternative approaches to the war on drugs and explores, you know, just quickly like the basic, uh, framework behind models of, uh, harm reduction, decriminalization and legalization. And then once that's that menu of options is laid out on the table, we basically throw the microphone out to the crowd to say, "What say you?" And everybody in the crowd gets the sixty seconds to respond to the presentation, ask one lingering question, or respectfully challenge us. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was one of my favorite
0: parts of the of the event because it's it,
2: always elevated dialogue, yeah. and yeah. it never becomes combative. Um, and and I like to think that that's the, because of the tone that we set. Because everything that we do, which by the way, our keynote. Uh, word in our mission is invite because everything we do is purely invitational non-threatening non-combative and non-partisan
1: okay that was yeah. my next question I was going to ask if it was open for the public how these these meetings that you're talking about
2: yeah uh, I mean they are fairly open to the public we do targeted um, uh, invitations you know just because we want key stakeholders to be at the table first right uh, and that can be any anybody from soccer moms parents of overdose or incarcerated victims uh to dentists to pharmacists to faith leaders to judges police etc cetera, etc cetera. um you know but um we we want people there that are going to be productive to the conversation right. and to avoid you know celebrating or trivializing drug use in any way right um but to start looking at this as less of a, a criminal justice issue and more of the public health issue that it definitely is Yeah,
0: it definitely was not an echo chamber, which I like. There was definitely everybody's kind of perspective, at least in that event, was uh, represented. Like law enforcement was there. Um, Also, one thing we haven't really mentioned, and which was kind of a counter, I don't want to say argument, but counterpoint to decriminalization, legalization was drug court. Uh, and the, that has been invented or implemented, I should say, uh, as an alternative to ruining people's records with felonies. If it's your first offense, you didn't commit uh, any violent crime. You do have drug court as an option. And that's been kind of law enforcement or the criminal justice system approach to try and an alternative in their way. Right. Uh, and there were a lot of people from drug court that were there. Um Counselors, um, I don't remember if there were any judges or not, but were. a lot of people were there, and they had some interesting perspectives and takes on on drug court as well.
2: Yeah, and, and their takes are always welcome at the table. Yeah, always. Um, and I'm being, I'm being sincere when I say that. I'm yeah. not being dis- disingenuous. Um, and actually, drug courts are are a form of harm reduction. Correct. And I'm a fan for ex- expanding them. Yeah. Uh, that being said uh you know what we have to do is this is a very complex issue the uh, pro the solution also has to be very complex and multifaceted mm-hmm. uh, drug car- courts are not the catch-all silver bullet uh, you know to to this big wide worldwide problem that we have um y- y- you know but they they are definitely a key piece and even if the drug war ends you know, I still think there's going to be a place for drug courts. Absolutely. And, they, and even they just say, like people today. I don't mean to cut you no, off, ahead, but like you can still you can still get arrested
0: for alcohol related crimes. Yeah. It, you mean yeah. like as far as like cr- traffic offenses or do you mean like distilling and producing Moonjine. without a license, stuff like, like all, all the above?
2: <laughs> yeah, all of the above. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I mean, you can still get arrested for, you know, public indecency, public yeah. drunk, drinking yeah. and driving. Yeah, There's yeah. a whole host of alcohol related crimes that can land you in jail or give you be issued a citation. Correct. Um, and that should be the case, you know, with any other substance that yeah. is out there.
0: Yeah, she mentioned in in the presentation there that um, alcohol and when it was uh, Prohibition era, the amount of crime that increased related to alcohol. I think everybody knows the Al Capone stories yep. and the gangsters that ran Moonshine. And uh, she also talks about um, potency goes up, quality goes down when it comes to any legal substance. And you can see the same thing with alcohol. Uh, you know, it went from a regulated industry to people making it in bathtubs and want it to be stronger because it's, you got to carry less, yeah. right? You want it to be and everybody more, potent. Died off of it. correct. And you have bad batches and it doesn't taste as good. Uh, it's not quality controlled. It's not regulated and it's not taxed through the government. Right. The, uh, do you know in what decade, uh, uh, the United States
2: had the highest death and crime rate per capita in its history?
0: I would assume during prohibition.
2: The 1920s, it sure was because of prohibition. Yeah. Um, Now that wasn't the only factor, but it was the primary driving factor Mm -hmm. um, in in it. But yeah, um, but yeah, uh, you know, so essentially what we say is that the three major harms that have exploded out of the drug war are market harms. Mm -hmm. Like you've just said, you know, kind of analogizing it to uh, alcohol prohibition, the substance harms, um, and uh, I have got an analogy to share on that in a second. And then the consumer harms, which the substance harms only fuel the the consumer harms, and which you just referred to with uh, by the uh, by um, prohibition. Just like what what happened with alcohol prohibition, you know, the the potency and toxicity of the substance goes up because when you ban a substance, you know, uh, you don't eradicate it that way no. because be you know because people uh, wants demand yeah. demand does not follow supply supply, supply woods, follows demand right correct, correct so you don't eradicate the market it just goes downward into an underground market and it's going to fill the void you know for for that demand right. um so when you prohibit a substance you know uh, it uh, now people in the market uh, the the market share owners they have to smuggle a substance, mm-hmm. which means they have to transport it in a smaller package and up the potency, so you get the same bang for your buck. Um, and and that phenomena is known as what's called the iron law of prohibition. Mm-hmm. And we can we see this playing out in modern times, actually in the United States of America in the fall on any given Saturday. In any given college football stadium where alcohol is. I banned. thought that was Absolutely. a really good. Yeah. 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 So the, basically, uh, and I think we all three know this and have probably done it. I know I've smuggled whiskey into, <laughs> into college football games before. I'm not.
1: Uh, yeah. I, I might have spent a night in Hattiesburg jail for yeah, this yeah, over a yeah. but we'll get into that on another yeah. time for sure.
2: I'll come back for that conversation. Yeah. I'd like to hear that story. Yeah. But, um, but so well, obviously, when people are out tailgating pregame, they're all drinking beer, you know. But once kickoff happens, and not all, but most. Yeah, I, I get what right, 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 right. But but in the stadium, you know, they take a flask in there and they're drinking forty-five percent ABV hard liquor, right? right. Mm-hmm. It's not because their taste buds change, no. right? It's hard yeah. to get beer
0: cans yeah. into it's your hard pants. to get beer cans <laughs> in <into> your <laughs> <And> <laughs> pants. They got cokes at the concession <laughs> stand. Right. That's right. They're <laughs> That's begging right. you to mix yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and because you put a ban on selling alcohol in that college football stadium look at all the tax revenue you're losing or all the revenue stream, not, not tax, but the city gets the tax money off of it. But, you know, so there are a lot of benefits, you know, to, to ending uh, this century long uh, drug war. Um, You know, we can, we can save lives. Um, We can restore bonds and families and communities. We can save dollars um, and, and, You know, uh, the upsides just entirely outweigh uh, the downsides. Um, Might we see a period where use goes up initially after the world moves into a a potential legal regulated market? Potentially, yeah. yeah. But in the long term, what you would see is actually a downtick, you know, a possible small decrease in drug use. And you would see quality control brought back to the substances. You would have legal, regulated, taxpaying businessmen controlling the market instead of drug cartels. Uh, so, uh, you know, the benefits are uh, not endless, but they are substantial and significant.
1: Do, do y'all get y'all's numbers from, do y'all look at states that have already done that, like Colorado and stuff with marijuana? Have y'all yes. do, you're going into that and seen what would actually, what it would look like for Mississippi as well? Uh,
2: well, uh, I'm, I mean, it's it's hard to look at one specific right. state and say that that would apply here. You know, every geographic reason, region has its nuances. Um, but when you look around at all of the, you know, some uh, 15 states that have, uh, you know, already like fully adult use, recreational,
0: legalized, the nets, uh, the net positives outweigh the net negatives yeah. for, for sure. She uh, used it in her speech. Um I forget the country to, to go, uh, kind Portugal? Of is, was it Portugal? Yeah. That had a very bad drug problem. And we're yes. not just talking about marijuana. I mean, it was IV drug use, right? They decriminalized, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, not legalized, decriminalized. De- de- and for people that maybe are new to that term, decriminalization just means that if you're caught with possession, you're not going to get charged with a crime, correct. right? You're still not allowed to sell it. Businesses aren't allowed to open and, and sell it like you would uh, alcohol, Uh, but it's not a crime anymore. Legalization would be the different term, meaning where it is fully legalized, like marijuana is now in the certain states that you're referring to, uh, where if you're over a certain age, you can buy it, businessmen run it. Uh, So two different terms there. But Portugal decriminalized, and they actually saw a lot of uh, health benefits when it came to the population that was affected by drugs, uh, with using clean needles, uh, transmission of of bloodborne pathogens, I believe went down. It was a lot of different things mm-hmm. um, that you may HIV not rate. Yeah, yeah, you may not realize but, or think about when it comes to the drug problem. So that is a kind of didn't a,
1: one of the didn't Oregon or something like that do that, or am I, th- am I wrong I th- no, on that? No, I think that?
0: I think they have. If I remember, it has decriminalized most, if not all, drugs. Y- yes. The problem yes. there, though, still in lies with the federal government. Um, so when you talk about, I'm sure like methamphetamine and cocaine there, right. I can't imagine that state law is really going to Trump any of that when Correct. it comes to the DEA. Yeah. Right. No, it's, it's not. Right. Um, but, and they, and they also just
2: decriminalized, uh, uh, psilocybin, yes. you know, and that's, you know, that's. Uh, the substances like that are, are a real game changer in the mental health conversation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is crazy. I've actually been reading a couple books about that. Um, psilocybin being the active ingredient in mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there are already ketamine ket- clinics that are in, uh, in operation to use to treat depression, which is similar class drug. Um, but, yeah, there's research going on right now. Um, uh, where is we it saw it when
1: we were out there in Colorado,
0: well, there's, it's a, it's a big research right now. I can't think of where it's at. Um, anyway, this oh, did lo- y'all
2: go out there to do a study? No,
0: no John, I just John went out there on vacation, vacation. Oh, two okay. weeks. Uh, it was like a study nice. though. <laughs> yeah. But there's that Hopkins, I think, uh, John Hopkins university is looking into psilocybin for the treatment of depression and, I and saw that. PTSD. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, there are some benefits there, but under the schedule one classification that it's been under for the past 50 years, you're not even allowed to do medical research with any of those substances. So.
2: So what was your perception in Colorado? Uh, I
1: I'm thought, interested. I thought, and I had no, perce- I thought it was going to be like, you know, bourbon Madness. street, you know what right. I'm saying? Reef and actually, yeah. exactly. <laughs> actually, yeah. you smell, I smell more marijuana on bourbon street than I did in two weeks in Colorado. Yeah. It's yeah. just not, I mean, you see dispensaries and it's kind of like a, like a, like a radio shack. You know what I'm saying? It's not um, anything I, I went, you know,
2: you know it's interesting every so many people think you know because of the propaganda we've been fed for a century that legal regulation or legalization means there's going to be a free-for-all you know mayhem in the streets correct and Ah. what people are finding out is in places like like colorado and illinois and different places there, uh, it's actually changed the conversation to having very boring conversations about tax rates and different things yeah, like that. Exactly. It
1: wasn't like, it wasn't like Black Friday. It wasn't no, like no, there no. was lines out the door. No, it was just like a it's regular works.
0: store. I went to Vegas. Vegas is uh, recreational as yep. well. And uh, the, I was kind of like Joey thinking that on the main strip, you know, you would see just tons of people, clouds everywhere yeah. or whatever. And it's actually still illegal on the strip. Now they don't enforce it super heavy. Mm-hmm. And I think if you... Somebody was to get caught. They're not, you know, slamming you on the ground and taking you to jail. You're not allowed to uh, smoke inside the casino. Uh, But it's, it's like, I don't know. Like Joey said, it was kind of underwhelming. It's just like, okay, it's, yeah, it's, it's legal here. So, so what, and I've read articles and heard um, dispensary owners talk about, they purposefully have tried to designate themselves as, um, how do how do I say it like like upscale? Like they yeah. try to make their facilities oh, okay. very nice. I didn't
2: know if you were saying desi- talking about designated dispensaries or
0: no no. Yeah, they okay. have went out of their okay. way to make their dispensaries look upscale, kind of like tar- take okay. it serious. Um, <laughs> right, this is not coming here and mom and, and Pop. Act crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know you yeah. there's, you got to, You got to respect the law, and they only let certain amount of people in at times and. You know, they verify all of your age, just like a liquor yeah. store would. Right. And I,
1: I had a buddy out there that was going to give me a tour of his dispensary. We just ran out of time. And yeah. I really wish we would have done that.
2: So in, in Hattiesburg, there are two different uh, wine and provision uh, or liquor stores that I go to to, to get my booze. And mm-hmm. um, uh, and. Both of them, uh, uh, like they uh, are sommeliers. They're, they know their right. stuff. Right. You know, and they, they, it doesn't matter what wine, what vintage you're talking about, they can tell you about it. Right. And I know out in Colorado, uh, I've been out there too, um, those guys know their product yeah. as well. Good. They are uber professional. They're not. Well, that's what it, I was trying to say. Yeah, to yeah. It's, it's a, a sign. It's not
1: like any, you know, just some dude behind a building trying right. to sell you weed. Mm-hmm. Right. This guy's got it mapped yeah. out to a science and it's it's cool to watch
2: can we go back to portugal first absolutely second? Yeah. Let's okay go back to portugal okay. so um so portugal ushered in decriminalization basically at the turn of the century even when i say turn of the century i mean you know 2000 um, uh, I, I just throw out that disclaimer because I had a guy the other day that was like back in <laughs> nineteen no, hundred. You skipped one, <laughs> buddy. Right? Yeah, right. you missed one. But, um, no, this one. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So uh, what brought this about was heroin was the uh, uh, Portugal, excuse me, was suffering from a terrible heroin uh, overdose epidemic in their country. Um, at at that time, their overdose rate was five times higher than America's overdose rate today. Wow. It was absolutely terrible. And it got so terrible that the uh, that the prime minister got together with the leader in parliament who was in the opposition party. And they came together in a bipartisan way and the prime minister said, look, this is out of hand, out of control. We're losing communities, yeah. we're losing lives. We gotta have people contributing and, and living. You know, uh, what do we do? And they decided to hire a commission and it was made up of, you know, a range of law enforcement, medical people, you know, other related professions. And and they said, y'all go out for a year, do your research and come back and tell us what to do. And I, after they went out for a year, they said, okay, uh, first of all, you need to um, t- take your drug intervention budget uh, and look at it. Because y- uh, right now, 90% of your budget is going to enforcement and incarceration. And only 10% of it is going to prevention and treatment. Mm-hmm. You need to flip it and right. do do 90% prevention and treatment, 10% enforcement and incarceration. And then you need to usher in a policy of decriminalization and launch a huge public health initiative. And, and what that uh, included was things like housing programs, you know, rehab uh, resources available for everybody who wanted it. Um, they would tell, like, if a guy... Uh, on an, uh, a guy in recovery got on an aptitude test that he has big mechanical or engineering skills they would go to a car shop you know a, a tire shop whatever and and say hey if you hire johnny b over here who's in recovery right you know uh you'll get a hefty tax break and oh by the way we'll pay half of his wages for the first year if you hire him so there was a huge you know job creation initiative done in tandem with the housing and uh, treatment etc etc et cetera. Et cetera today america's overdose rate is 185 people per million portugal's
0: is six people per million right wow right and just to uh that's a, that's a really good good story and good point uh it's kind of counter argument just some of that people may be out there thinking it's like well then they they paid you know well, they're spending money to give tax breaks to these businesses and they're paying half the salary for a year like that's going to be expensive. But I guarantee if you look at how much it probably costs to house an inmate in for jail, the same charge yeah. in jail, it's probably five X that. I mean, it's it's a lot. It's and and no one really amount. thinks about that or, or don't or, or or understands just how much it costs to house these people. Not to mention what you mentioned about in the beginning of this is Mississippi being as high of an incarceration rate, incarceration rate as it is you know and
2: and think about this this is uh, another step further it may blow your mind that people don't think about if that person dies of an overdose we're assuming they're all at least 18 years old from the time that they were in pre-k to graduating high school at 17 18 years old how much did we pay in tax dollars to educate that individual a bunch to make sure that they were going to be a productive contributor in, in society, right? Mm-hmm. And if we lose them, all that money is gone. Yeah, you know, and that's minus the incarceration, uh, you know, cost and everything else, and, and the life, the yeah. life that was yeah. lost. Absolutely, you know, the absolutely. memories or the opportunities, Kids, to, families, yep. absolutely. Yep. Yeah,
0: yep. It's it's a highly complex issue, like you said, is not got. It doesn't have simple solutions, but I think y'all are out there trying to at least spark. The conversation. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. And we're keeping the conversation going forward. In fact, we're coming down here to the
0: coast next week. What a great transition that was. I <laughs> yeah. like that. That was skilled right there. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about it. Let's yeah, talk about we're it. Where are going? Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. July, right? You have y'all have an event in Biloxi? Yeah, we yeah. actually do. July
2: twenty second, next Thursday. Uh we are gonna be at the Biloxi Visitor Center holding a community discussion like you went to yes. in Pascagoula, uh, Jared. And uh it's gonna be at the Biloxi Visitor Center from six thirty to eight thirty. Um, and um, you know it, it you do have to register to attend. okay. Um, and if anybody is interested in registering, uh, they can email one of three people me being included in that. Uh, uh, my name is, is Brett Montague. my email address is Brett with two T's at enditforgood.com.
0: I'm gonna put that in the comments. Yeah. Sure.
2: Keep, 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 go ahead. Um, our, our outreach director who would be the easiest and best person for you to reach out to, <laughs> to register, uh, is Angela mallet and Angela's email address is Angela at end it for
0: Okay. i got that there. And then, all right. and all
1: the y- y'all have a, you do have a Facebook page for absolutely. It. We do. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that keeps updates of what's going absolutely. on. We are, we are,
2: we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Uh, yeah absolutely
1: and it shows the schedule of where these uh
2: well I, actually we we don't put on facebook uh, okay. our our events uh but um but yeah that they, they can follow us on facebook and find out about uh, numerous community education event uh, initiatives that we're uh carrying out and you know uh, and look at our platform if they want to peel behind the curtain, if you will.
0: Yeah. Right. And I want to actually flash this up uh, is the, the picture of your team of all of yeah. y'all here. So yeah. we have uh, Christina here to the, to the left of the photo, um, Angela here, which is actually how I got associated with your group. Yeah, uh, She's yeah, a family right. friend. So that's how I caught wind of what y'all were doing. She is fantastic, by the she's way. She's a great person. Yes. And she's got a great story. Very inspiring. Uh, then yourself here. And then who, who again, was this uh, to the far right of the photo?
2: Yeah, uh, Jennifer Allen. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Jennifer Allen is our marketing and events coordinator. So like everything, for instance, that you saw in Pascagoula, uh-huh. she makes that happen. She makes that event like yes. look as. Yeah professional and elegant and awesome
0: as possible she does great work yeah it was it was very well put together uh the food was good it was a good atmosphere a good vibe and and an intellectual discussion on a very complicated and personal i'm sure for many people in that room we all usually have a family member like you mentioned uh or or a lot of times it's the person themselves that have experienced some type of addiction or whatever so uh, I, I hats off to what y'all are doing and yeah. we, that's why we wanted to have y'all on the show uh, if people are interested in this topic and they want to hear more about it or they want to be a part of the conversation go check out the event uh, the links are in the comments below here if you're on facebook youtube or twitter uh sh- send them an email register for the yep. event correct come yeah, check it out absolutely yeah Is it the same same, yeah, same
1: uh forum as it was in pasigula y'all cooking yeah, it's, it's same people same for, and we we'll have uh, yeah we'll stories? have it catered
2: yeah absolutely um and and in fact uh, evidently our caterer has a connection with the Bil- biloxi police department so that's interesting, interesting. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. but uh but yeah we're we're looking forward to it and um appreciate y'all having me here today and if y'all would like for either me to come back or christina or angela we'd love to come back and you know uh uh build on this conversation with you guys absolutely yeah
0: we, we like to talk it's one of our <laughs> yeah. best uh yeah
2: if we yeah. have the whole team or
0: yeah. whatever yeah
2: angela do. told me i was like what is brown water banter like yeah. you know and i looked at you guys and it's it's a great fit and i, I love the conversation yeah, yeah appreciate what, it yeah. that's what we're here I'll keep for, up with you guys trying, to, trying
0: yeah. to shine light on all the cool people down here on the on the coast and all the cool things that happen uh, and this falls right in line with that. So yep. yeah. it's the pleasure's all ours, and we appreciate your time for stopping by today, uh, making the drive down here. Right?
2: Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Uh, I live up in up in Hattiesburg, but. Yeah, growing up, my family uh, we had a condo down here on the coast in Diamond Head, and so
0: okay, the so coast is like you yeah, know it's used all to it. it. Yeah. Use yeah. it at 45, yeah. 55 oh, yeah. minutes. I learned how to fish and <laughs> ski on the Jordan River, man. There you go. Oh, I, really I really was yeah. just out there when Joey was in Colorado. That's where I was at. So. Oh, nice, yeah, yeah. nice, so love it. Uh, big thanks to everybody that watched us uh, here on the live uh, or checking checking it out on the replay as well, and yep. all you people out there in the audio podcast world, we appreciate y'all as well. And uh, we got a big episode coming up, Joey and I. Next one's going to be uh, the hundredth episode. 100 making we're in triple digits so we're super pumped about that uh we got a few ideas on what we're going to do for that one and we're super excited about it so uh y'all be sure to check that out we don't have it quite scheduled yet but uh no, we're bad at that yeah we're terrible at that uh, <laughs> i think it might be thursday of this week so but um who knows when you're listening to this either so anyway. yeah all right but, uh, we'll see y'all on the next one man later Thanks so much for checking out the episode. Hope you dug it. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you're following us on all the social platforms. That's at BrownwaterB, all one word. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, you name it, we're there. Be sure to check us out. And uh, if you're really enjoying the show and you want to be a supporter, man, jump over to brownwaterbanter.com. We have all kind of merch for sale. We have our uh, leather patch, uh, Richardson 112 snapback hats. We've got t-shirts, dry fit, hoodies, dry fit, short sleeve, dry fit, long sleeves, uh, cotton t shirts So whatever you were looking for, we got you covered there. Once again, thanks so much for checking us out, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.
1: Brown water banter.